listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Andre Philippe Gagnon. Andre is a master impressionist, a veritable one-man hit parade. After breaking out at Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival, he first reached superstardom in 1985 when he appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and blew everyone away with his version of the anthem, We Are the World with Andre himself imitating each and every one of the individual singer's voices and mannerisms. After an incredible career that has taken him around the world, Andre Philippe Gagnon has returned with a fresh new show that is currently touring in both French and English. Salut Andre, bienvenue à Toronto Legends, comment ça va? <laughs> Très bien, merci. Your French is very good, Andrew. Thanks for having I, me. I just used everything I had, so thank <laughs> you for that compliment. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, actually. Uh, yeah, just uh, I was doing some uh, some vocal exercise just before uh, I was trying to connect uh, with you, and uh, so I am ready. I have a performance tomorrow and Saturday, actually, here in Quebec, yeah. a private one at the Palais des Congrès here in Montreal, and then in Victoriaville, like uh, part of my tour in French. Fabulous. Well, we greatly appreciate you taking time for your tour. Are you currently Montreal-based? Yes, I'm right beside the uh, Champlain Bridge on uh, Nuns Island. Uh, fantastic. I, I know the area well. I was going to ask you to give a shout out to your neighborhood. So I guess it's, it's West Island. <laughs> uh, well, it's pretty close to downtown, actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's called, it's, it's in Verdun. In Nuns Island, it's, it's Lille des Sars. It's, it's in Verdun. Verdun. Fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, you have returned after a pandemic break with a show that you perform separately. There's an English version called Mr. Everybody, a francophone version called Monsieur Tout Le Monde. Are you literally toggling back and forth between the English and French versions? Well, actually, we're just uh, starting to tour the uh, English show. I'll be in uh, Edmonton, uh, Sherwood Park, and uh, Airtory like to, to do just, just to, to show my partners out west what's the new show like. And uh, I did I did a couple of shows at the, the uh, during the. Uh, Formula One weekend uh, last June here in Montreal at the at the casino, and uh, my uh, my daughter Camille like actually has seen both the versions of course, and she's helped me also translating the uh, adapting the show uh, the French show to the English show and uh, like modifying it a little bit as well. And uh, not because she was involved, but I, I she thinks that she likes the English version a little better because there there are more impressions and the fact that the um, I think that the songs will. will uh, will match uh, the, the topics uh, better, I think, for, for the humor. I think it, it, it fits a little better. But again, like, um, uh, I like both. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm very impressed because, as you say, in Montreal, you were performing both the English and the French show. How do you keep track of which show you're doing on a particular night? Do you ever get get uh, confused about uh, which show you're on? Or well, sometimes there are like uh, I, uh, the introductions. I will just translate like what what we did, like uh, the the English adapt, you know, the material to the French. And I I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, that's not what I usually say in French. It's it's a little different. But uh, the the impressions, the singing impressions, like the uh, that's no problem for sure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, again, like uh, it's when I say, like I said to the audience from the start, uh, they are they're lucky because they're they have their playlist on the, on their cell phone or their uh, 
uh, laptop at home, and but my playlist is uh, up here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And whenever I think about something, uh, it uh, the matching uh, the matching song song pops up right away. So uh, that's uh, that's how the show works. <laughs> and how great is it after this horrible pandemic to be performing live again in front of real people? Uh, it's fantastic because uh, there was a, like a, I, I was performing in studio for uh, corporate events for some companies who would like to reward their employees uh, to to uh, keep on working and be the uh, you know be there and uh, you know for christmas parties or uh, and uh, it was in a studio and you know <laughs> only like the cameraman you know the sound guy and uh, another assistant like uh, their reaction was uh, just very little to compare to a regular uh, room you know uh, full of people so i was really really happy last summer when we started to do shows and then again disappointed when in, in um, december I, I remember december 18th uh, again we got shut out uh, uh, one more time and uh, so that was uh, now now i think it's behind us and i'm really really glad that you know to be in front performing in front of a, a live audience uh, again so it's uh, it's fantastic to see the smiley people, no more masks. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's, uh, it's great. It's just great. That's what I, have uh, been doing for a uh, 40 years. And now <laughs> I, <laughs> I can do this well, again. <laughs> well, certainly you're someone who feeds off the audience. And on, on that note, I wasn't going to bring up your age, Andre, but we're going to go all the way back and get the Andre Philippe Gagnon story. Where were you born? And please tell us about your upbringing. Uh, I was born in Loretteville, uh, a little north of uh, Quebec City, and uh, my mom was uh, was at home taking care of us. My father was a delivery man for Coca Cola, and uh, I, I, I think I think I have the singing thing from my mom, and I think the the, the humor from uh, dad. So <laughs> yeah, nice mix of both. And I uh, played hockey, you know, like uh, all the guys, you know, like hockey in this in the in the winter and uh, baseball in the summer, and that's was. All my friends, we we were do. That's what that was the um, the habit, you know, sport wise. And uh, and now, and uh, what can I say? What else can I say? I started doing impressions. I was around eight, and uh, the main thing was to try to make my older brother laugh. My my only brother, actually, and uh, so <laughs> and also to entertain his friends. So because I that was that was the thing. Because there like a gap of almost seven years between us. So uh, yep. to me, like to, to be able to entertain them was like a, quite an achievement for me. And when I, when my, my brother actually, because, uh, you know, older brother won't actually brag about the little brothers and they'll be like, he was, he was more on the, you know, tick tickling me hard and, you know, punching <laughs> a little bit, you know, here and there, hey, bro, you know, kind of thing. And, but when I, I, I tried like in front of him, uh, my, my impression of Tweety Bird, you know, the little yellow bird and Bugs Bunny, but... And uh, he went like, whoa, mom, Andre does Tweety Bird. And I would say, whoa, he, he reacts like that, then I might be onto something here. So that's, uh, that was the, 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 the beginning of it all, I think. <laughs> it all started with Looney Tunes Tweety Bird. Yeah. Now, as a youngster, were you already planning to be an entertainer or was your dream to play with the Habs or I guess the Quebec Nordique? Yeah, well, back then was the the, the, the Montreal Canadiens uh, was uh, drawing Ken Dryden like uh, on and on, and uh, I was that, that's the only thing I was drawing like hockey players, like situations, you know, the goalie, a defenseman, uh, a four, you know, like uh, Ivan Cornoyer, all those guys. Uh, 
And uh, no, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, at some point I studied to become a translator. It was like a little before the, the Cold War ended. And uh, in my little mind, I was thinking like, I might be, I'll be able to translate uh, uh, right away that, that, that this guy means exactly what you are saying. And he's <laughs> saying exactly what you're saying. So I think you should agree to just like, you know, be friends. And I, that my little mind, I think. I thought I, I, was, I could uh, make a difference, you know, in my translation. But uh, um, and uh, towards the end of uh, high school, like uh, I was, uh, I did some uh, theater, and uh, also like I uh, was entertaining my friends uh, after hockey games and uh, at school. So like uh, I, I realized that uh, I had some some kind of uh, vocal abilities, and that that led me a, a bit later to do to try. Um, to enter it in a couple of uh, amateur contests in, uh, in the Quebec area. And uh, one of them, like, well, the big prize was to appear on a, the, like, a talk show called uh, Michel Jasmin in Montreal. And he had, like, uh, well, uh, two million, you know, uh, people watching him every night. So, like, it was uh, a big thing. Celine Dion got discovered on that show, on that particular oh, wow. show, actually. Yeah, and uh, many more other artists. Yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he's the one who gave me my first chance uh, in Quebec. And uh, then I started to do some uh, some radio uh, some radio bits, you know, on the on, in the morning show at at in Quebec City, on the morning show and on the drive home. And uh, um, a couple of years after that, I started doing shows like uh, festivals and uh, corporate events in Quebec, and that, that's how I. Uh, I've learned how to, uh, to, to to behave in front of an audience, you know, doing many, many, many shows. And uh, let's say uh, some years later, we're talking after the being discovered on the Lundi des Haha at, uh, at the Club Soda in Montreal. And after like the first appearance also on, the Just, on Just for Laugh in French. And in, uh, that that's 84. Then I did the... Um, the festival uh, just for laugh in French and in English in '85, and that's when um, I did my rendition of "We Are the World," and I, I had the chance. <laughs> well, the chance. They made me go right after Jay Leno. You know, Jay Leno back in '85 was that <laughs> immense, you know, big star already, you know, and was so funny. I said, you know what? You'll go after him because <laughs> you know Jay the, Leno the, opened yeah. for you. Yeah, well, because there were so many other artists, but they, because the deadline for uh, for journalists back then was ten o'clock, and they they said like we'll well we'll have to 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 have you go on before ten. So uh, Jay Leno is uh, will will finish the uh, we have an agreement that he will go at, around that time, and you will go after him. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. But it went really well. I have to admit, it went uh, you know just because like. Uh, um, the, the we are the world thing was so new and uh, and jay leno like he's the one who advised me like well you should send the cassettes to the people back then was vhs you know yeah send, send the cassette to the people in burbank and uh, i'm sure they'll have you on the show so, oh, really and uh, that's what my agent did yeah he sent the cassette and we uh, a couple of a couple of weeks later we had uh, an invitation to go on the Tonight Show on November November thirteenth, and uh, that really launched my career, as you can understand. Because I I was looking like because back then you know um, 
uh, Jay Leno was guest hosting and Joan River also Joan River uh, as well but uh, Johnny Carson was there that night and he was so generous he was uh, un unbelievable he was he took over you know that's Johnny Carson you know and uh, made me look uh, good really because um, just after before my 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 number the stage manager uh was coaching me just saying like okay uh, yeah, there'll be this guy beside the camera and he will wave you like this means you're not on camera anymore you just disappear behind the curtain uh, i was so nervous i told him like watch me disappear will be like a, like a magic trick you can and then uh it, my my number was going really well and i think i'm thinking well then uh, doing like just the gigolo and joe cocker and i think I, I like to believe i do a better joe cocker and i just watched this uh my performance on it tonight so recently because i was on a tv show and they were you know putting like those uh, tv clips uh on just to uh, celebrate the, yeah, my uh, my appearance on the tonight show and and i was thinking like it goes really well so with we are the world that should be fine and it, the, the the audience in the studio like was reacting really well and uh, and at the end the, the the stage manager was not waving me like this he was going like this and I looked over and I, Johnny Carson was standing and inviting me to sit you know on the couch beside him and it was the blessing of the king of comedy <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and I was very surprised and very impressed and at the same time I was like oh no <laughs> what am I gonna say because my English as you can hear like I, I, I'm it's been a while since I did interviews in French and English and this is when I do interviews in French then you know i have to translate and it, my vocabulary is not uh, you know um and uh, so on my way there i was thinking what am i gonna say what am i gonna do you know i, I you know just ad-libbing with johnny carson i'm not robin williams you know and it was i was but again he took over it made me look good a dynamite piece of material he was really nice actually he was he came to see me before the the the, the taping of the show uh, in my dressing room, V-neck cigarette, you know, like uh, yeah, the, you know, I I watched you on the rehearsal and uh, yeah, <laughs> just go up there and have fun. And I said, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was petrified. I was so nervous, but uh, again, he took over and uh, uh, that really launched my career. The next day, uh, with my the producer in Montreal. Uh, told me like uh well Andre, I, we just sold 20,000 tickets uh in three hours and a half at La Place des Arts in Montreal at, at, at in, uh, in in um, at, uh, in a time where there you know you have to to show uh, to, to to show up live you know just to to wait in line to buy your tickets it was not you can you couldn't buy them on the phone you know or anything yeah. so that it was a so three hours and a half 20,000 tickets later and uh we didn't have a show <laughs> we only have um, we because like uh, I already have like uh, hired some musicians for this production and uh, uh, my friend uh, Stéphane Laporte, uh, the writer, like said, Andre, well, we only have seven minutes, you know, for in a two-hour-long show, so let's get to work. Because <laughs> we're in November and the, the premiere was in uh, in March, so uh, we did, during the whole of uh, Christmas vacation we were working on the show and preparing this new. Because uh, it was my first show ever, so you know, the real production. Because before I was just doing my impressions uh, a cappella in those uh, festivals around uh, Quebec. So, 
Yeah. It was very, very different. Well, that's a fabulous story, you, and you did a great job. I want to dive into it a little deeper, so let's just reset for our listeners. You have just come, 85, just for Laughs Comedy Festival, opening for Jay Leno. We straightened that out. <laughs> Jay Leno says, I really think you're amazing. Get your tape over to Johnny Carson. You do, as you note, via VHS. And then in 1985, as you note, at the age of 24, this happened. Here's a young man who is not uh, known well in the United States at all, but he is extremely popular uh, in the French-speaking provinces of Canada. He's from Quebec. He's a comedian, an impressionist, and this is his very first appearance on national television in the United States. He is extremely talented. Would you welcome, please, André-Philippe Gagnon. Now, you know, you've already <laughs> mentioned how you felt and I want to ask you a little deeper. There's 15 million people watching you at home. You were obviously nervous. I don't know how you got through it. You did, as you mentioned, you did Joe Cocker. You did David Lee Roth just to kind of warm up the crowd. But then you did your signature routine, We Are the World, with all the individual voices. You had authentic renderings. You had Ray Charles, Bob Dylan, Michael Jackson, Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, and even Diana Ross. I want to ask you, you go out on that stage, <laughs> what prompted you to keep going? Did you just want to turn around and run or you were, uh, what much, were you feeling at that point? Pretty moment? much. I was, uh, I remember I was this guy that was a uh, baked potato, you know, back then into the uh, the 80s fashion, you know, was like the kind of aluminum look, you know. <laughs> I, I do I do want to, Andre, encourage our uh, listeners to go to YouTube and l listen, because I, I certainly, this was the fashion of 85, a very Miami Vice, you were right on, but uh, oh, yeah. today great. I think your kids are going to give you some business about, it was an oh, aluminum yes. fashion, oh, yes. but I've, please I've continue. Been, I've been teased a lot you know, by the kids, you know, about, about that uh, outfit, that look. But uh, yeah, I was I wasn't prepared for that actually. I, I was not realizing that with that fifteen million people, and it was because every time, even in Quebec or any television show, I was very very nervous, you know. Just and um, at and in the afternoon, I was told by my press agent who was there, Francine Chalou, that there are for now we the, the the rights aren't cleared for We Are the World, so we we might not be able. You, you might not be able to do it to perform wow. We Are the World. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> what's plan B? <laughs> you know? And finally, they were able to clear the rights, of course, because, uh, and, um, but I was, uh, that was something special. And I, I, have, uh, I have to tell you another funny story. It's just that uh, when we had a first invitation for the, the, by the people from The Tonight Show, and I've learned that like years and years later is that my agent at the time said like, well, because uh, the first invitation was for 11, uh, November 11th. And he said, uh, Andre Philippe is busy that night performing in a small town, you know, like near Co on the South Shore uh, in Quebec, near Quebec City. And uh, he said, like, he's not he's, he's not available. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and when I've learned that, and they, they called back and said, what, on the 13th? And said, yes, it is available. So, <laughs> so he refused the, the people of the Tonight Show uh, the first invitation. So I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I would, If I'd known, I would still probably be in jail, you know, for attempting uh, murder. <laughs> and, That's uh, incredible to think. 
the first one was turned down. They uh, came back. Yeah. You went. Completely and, so that's, uh, that was uh, really special. And, uh, oh, for you sure. Know, uh, then that led me to, to, to do uh, the first uh, French Grammy show uh, in, uh, in, uh, in France called uh, Les Victoires de la Musique, uh, performing in front of the French uh, show business. You know, like, uh, it was uh, amazing. And uh, I, I, I was able then after that to tour across Canada and then to, to do many productions and that that really, it really launched my career, that, that appearance on The Tonight Show. And I do want to dive deeper into, you mentioned, and I appreciate you giving us the detail. I always wondered, the story was, Johnny would call you over, and that, as you note, was the blessing if he called uh -huh. you over after your performance. And I wondered whether that had been discussed before. So in your telling, it's the stage manager gives you the direction to go. He called you up, and not only did you meet Ed McMahon, but you met another comedy legend uh carl reiner was uh, also on that show and then as you say johnny said what a great job you did and uh, you talked a little about i was curious whether you got to know him off stage so it sounds like he was very supportive oh indeed and that's funny you carl uh, carl reiner is that's carl I'll always mix rub and carl that's carl he was <laughs> And he said, well, they're going to eat you alive in Vegas. And I was thinking, is that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up uh, being, on the, the, uh, being at the comedy store. I, I was, because uh, uh, a couple of years uh, later, I, we went on, on vacation, my, uh, my friend and I and our, and our girlfriends, and uh, going in, in Los Angeles and going in front, uh, walking in front of the comedy store, we saw like there was uh, amateur nights on the on the and uh, so the three other heads turned to, to me and said whoa why don't, why don't you go you know just to give it a try and uh i gave it a try we 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 asked like you know we we had we had some people who sent some uh, four tracks cassettes you know for some musical support there and uh, mid seashore auditioned me you know like uh, the owner of the comedy store and she she said well okay, would you like to perform here at the uh, for a couple of nights and would you like to perform as well in Las Vegas uh, we have a branch at the Dunes Hotel that, that became later the Bellagio uh, so uh, in 87 I was performing in Las Vegas uh, at the time where you could cross the strip without even looking left and right it was much quieter and uh, not the, the 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 electric Las Vegas that we know now so that uh, that that was it was really something and then I kept on going back regular on a regular basis at the at the comedy store. It was uh, amazing. Just you know, uh, uh, you you go on on stage back then. You know, Chris Rock would do his, his set after me or before, and uh, Louis Anderson, Carrie uh, uh, Snow. Uh, I think uh, you know all those stars, uh, all those people. You know, been all those uh, comedy legends who've been there before and uh, it's uh, it was just incredible i i remember one night my 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 sound engineer didn't tell me but luckily because quincy jones was in the audience and uh, we had a, we took a picture afterwards but to perform we are the world in front of the producer of that of the song was quite uh something it's a good thing i didn't know because i I would have babbled or made a mistake or get a false <laughs> note for sure. And Quincy Jones was in the audience. And so that was, uh, um, it was really a, a, a special time for me. Well, Andre, based on your success from the Carson appearance and developing your own show, 
you, as you mentioned, went to Las Vegas, and not only did you headline there for years, but you lived there for a few years. What was it like living and performing in Las Vegas? Uh, well, uh, just for a short answer, uh, uh, before I, want, I had a, I, uh, before everything, I wanted to have a family life, you know, uh, when I was uh, young and uh, at some point I, I, uh, I wanted to see them, I, I wanted to see the kids grow. So the, um, either there were a couple of places on, on earth who would offer me like a, a steady uh, lifestyle, you know, uh, not traveling as much as I, I was, uh, as I used to. So. It was either Broadway, but it was like something like eight shows a week, so not good for the vocal cords, wow. or Las Vegas. And uh, I was uh, I decided to aim for Las Vegas, uh, and that's why I was able to. Uh, I had this great invitation from Celine Dion uh, for her, to open for her in her. Uh, let's talk about uh, Love World Tour. You know the the the, uh, the era of the, the Titanic. You know, and then during that mm -hmm. time. And uh, so I uh, was able then to uh, to start uh, doing to, to do shows at the Venetian in uh, in '99, uh, in October '99, and then uh, I was there for a couple of years. Then there was uh, this little break, uh, this little pause, and I was I, I uh, moved to the, the to the Paris Hotel, uh, and uh, so we we remained in Las Vegas for nine years. Uh, so the the kids, I was able to see the kids, you know, and to watch them grow, to take them to school, to uh, tennis, uh, hockey, basketball, soccer, practice, games, stuff like that, to help them with their homework and just to put them to bed. Uh, also, like at seven thirty, I would say, "No, oh, well, good night, gotta go," because showtime <laughs> is at eight. So, <laughs> and I was living about twenty minutes away from the strip, so I I had to drive, you know, and to make sure I didn't get a speed ticket, you know, because I would have been late for the show. I hope you didn't forget how to shovel snow in your days in Vegas. <laughs> no, actually, we were we, every uh, Christmas around Christmas time. We would we would come back and visit my my parents and my my in laws, and uh, same thing in the summer because uh, around June, right after when school finished, you know, we would come back and uh, be, be here in Quebec to, with the with the family. Fabulous. But you the never shoveling forgot. thing is uh, something you can't forget. <laughs> you know, when, when you're raised in Loretteville, you know, in Quebec City, where there's a, the snowfalls are impressive. So <laughs> if you want to play hockey in the driveway, you have to know how to shovel. <laughs> That's right. You never forgot your roots, which is great. Andre, I want to talk to, to you about some other notable performances. You were in the opening ceremonies for the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. What was that experience like? Oh, that was really nice. That was uh, it was my uh, one of my first uh, well, my first major show in English Canada, and to to perform at the Olympics uh, Olympic Gala was uh, was uh, amazing. And uh, I remember Max Edrum was hosting the show. <laughs> There's an that, 80s Max, reference, exactly. <laughs> And uh, after that, uh, you know that uh, that that, um, that that made that uh, it possible for me to tour across Canada. We we started doing shows in Toronto at the O'Keefe Center. Yeah, well, <laughs> That's yes, how it was another called back reference. then, like not far from the Royal York. I don't know what's the name now. How is it called? But uh, then I think it was a Sony after that. I'm not sure. You're correct. It was the Hummingbird Center. It keeps changing every time I go by. It's a new name. <laughs> 
and uh, and uh, so we, we then uh, we started doing tours, you know, across Canada with all the musicians. It was like a big circus. We were uh, eighteen or nineteen people, you know, traveling all together across Canada from uh, you know Toronto to uh, Victoria. And uh, what I would say, like first, it was like the the Canadian Football League tour because it was like Winnipeg, yeah. <laughs> Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon, you know, <laughs> Regina and, and Vancouver. And in Victoria, but yeah, I'll be back hopefully to do all those cities with my new show, uh, Mr. Everybody. So that's fabulous. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that was the, the launch of my um, English touring at the uh, at the Olympic in '88. And of course, this podcast being Toronto Legends, we definitely want to ask you about your participation in the opening ceremonies of another building that's changed its name. 1989, the Skydome opened. How were you involved and what was that experience like? Oh, that was nice. Uh, I, I imagine like a legend, Oscar Peterson was also uh, on the show. It was to, just to meet him was fantastic. And I, I had the chance to sing along with uh, David Clayton Thomas. You know, the okay. what goes up must come down. Spinning wheel, got to go round. So, and we sang together that song. It was so special. Uh, it was amazing. And to be on this uh, big stage in the middle of the, 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 the Sky Dome, uh, that was not the Rogers Center, but the Sky Dome back then. And uh, I think it's the just... It, it was it was uh, the, the weather was kind of funky also because it was a <laughs> yeah rain. I remember it was uh, but it was a, a big celebration I, uh, I I I watched like a little clip of it not too long ago and it was really special and I think you could feel also the the 80s fashion and haircut <laughs> also it's so funny but uh, oh. not just a little after that I think I, I was invited to host the Junos in Toronto. So that was really something for me with my band. I, I keep uh, great memories also of that, uh, of that show, but the, the opening of the sky dome was amazing. You know, just, uh, it's, so it's, it was um, really, really big for me. And really, I was really glad and happy to be invited to do that uh, opening. Well, it was state of the art technology at the time, and I don't want to make you and I feel old, but here in Toronto, there's now a push to close the Sky Dome because apparently it's it's we oh, need yeah. something newer. So maybe they invite like so. me to do the closing then. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to. I, I think we should start a push for that. That would be great. <laughs> now let's talk about staying current for your current tour. Like any seasoned pro, you have realized your need to refresh your material. What made you realize you had to update some of your impressions? Oh well, it's, it's just there are new singers, and I want to. Uh... It's all about musical memories uh, and because uh, all the important moments in our lives are associated with songs with uh, and singers and vocalists you, 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 or like your your graduation your your prom you know your uh, yeah, some some summer vacations oh you think about a song a singer you think about a, uh, an aunt you know all that is that's what she she used to listen to like tears for fears or you know sting or you know and nowadays, now it's rag and bone, uh, you know, and all those uh, those new singers that I'm trying to impersonate, uh, Sam Smith, and uh, so that's uh, that's really important for me. Just that um, those uh, those uh, boomers who have followed me, who've watched the Tonight Show, now they're they're they're, they're, they're some of them were younger, and uh, some of them now like uh, they keep 
coming to my shows and I just want to entertain them and to create like those moments where the uh, it reminds them of the the people and the, the great moments in their lives with the impressions that I do so that's uh, it's just like a, I try to be like a comfort food for the ears <laughs> yeah that I love that comfort food for the ears well as you say for years, your showstopper was We Are the World, but you've come up with a new signature routine. It's a reinterpretation of John Lennon's classic Imagine with 15 different voices. How did you construct that, and, and uh, what are some of the voices you include in that? Well, I, um, I, to, to me, it was like also to just to make sure that people would recognize those voices and just to, uh, to have a very typical... Like, so I start with John Lennon and then... Uh, uh, when I go to some keywords like above, above us, only sky, I try to have like a, like the, the, this Louis Armstrong and um, uh, David Bowie. Uh, for when when I go like um, uh, when I uh, at the beginning uh, uh, above us, imagine all the people living for the t today, living for today. <laughs> a little Bee Gees like then you know Barry Gibbs would would come in. And then, uh, so I, I, Elton John, uh, Sting, Axel Rose. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And so that, and uh, Bob Dylan also, because they're a very typical voice. Um, imagine no possessions. No, no little Barry White in there, uh, Tracy Chapman as well. And so I begin with John Lennon and I finish with Paul McCartney. So I thought it was a, a nice, uh, nice thing. Just a, Absolutely. You know. And you even have changed up some of your other songs too. For example, the Rolling Stones song you used to imitate was Start Me Up. Now it's Sympathy for the Devil. For David Bowie, you used to do Dancing in the Streets, his duet with Mick Jagger, but now you imitate Bowie's heroes. So how do you balance your classic voices with your new voices? Well, it's it's uh, it's just that um, you know to, to to make sure so to choose the, the the song where I'll be where I'll be able to to just recreate with some precisions, you know, with some accuracy with the the the, the this musical memory because people will they will hear this the tracks that because the the guy who works with me like is very precise also choosing the, the instruments the sounds you know of the eighties or seventies or two thousand. Just so that people go, like, oh yeah, I recognize that that song. And then when I start doing the impressions, then the normally like the, this uh, memory pops up, and people like, oh, it reminds them of um, of someone or some place, uh, you know. And uh, that's so to me, like uh, the sym sympathy for the devil was also a good way to start the show. Uh, please allow me to introduce myself, you know, I, I, and then before it was start me up, of course, and I, I did that in France. Um, and I intend to go back there with the, with this show. And actually, I think uh, the uh, the proposition that I'll present there in France will be much closer to the English show than the French show that I'm presenting here in, in Quebec. Because mm -hmm. uh, they know that I perform in Las Vegas and I will my my selling pitch let's say will be uh, let let me bring las vegas to you <laughs> yeah in france so like for people who cannot afford to travel then um, so i'll do maybe some classics that i that i that i, I can do but the, the thing is like um uh some french impressionists i have to say sometimes i still have this little 
uh, a much thicker French accent. When I sing, my accent disappears. So that I'm in, uh, so uh, in France, then there's no in the middle of the night. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I can I can I can do English impressions uh, with you know some some kind of uh, accuracy enough that uh, it creates with them uh, like uh, oh with. We have all the Elvis, the Frank Sinatra's, Barry White, uh, Sting, uh, you know, Joe Cocker, etc. And uh, last time I was in France, I was in uh, Bordeaux, and uh, this uh, gentleman came came to me uh, when I uh, when I was uh, going to, towards the, the you know backstage, and he says like, uh, I would have taken a, a little bit more of Joe Cocker, you know. So like it was not. Asking for more uh, Julien Clair or Johnny Halliday, he was like, "I would have liked some more Joe Cocker." <laughs> yeah. So like, well, well, that's that's. I think that I'm identified to the guy in France who does uh, like because I I did tours there and uh, like uh, I said I opened for Celine. That was a nice memory as well. If I just because it, <laughs> it was a bit gutsy, you know, just because we were at the Stade uh, uh, Stade de France. The French stadium where they play uh, soccer, football, and it was jam packed for two nights because Celine was still, you know, the big star that she is. You know, to, to gravitate around a star like that was, brings you sure. like special moments. And uh, ninety five thousand people, you know, sat, you know, in, uh, around this uh, centered uh, this stage in the middle of the stadium, and uh, so they were there for Celine, but then before. I opening for her, you know, like uh, I the, the, the guts to say, like, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. And then uh, start me up comes on, and it's me going on the stage, not Mick Jagger, of course. <laughs> and I uh, say, so, okay, now I have your attention. Uh, okay, here you're gonna have to listen to me for 30 minutes here. So yeah, but luckily I did a couple of shows and some TV shows. I did the Johnny Carson of France, uh, Michel Drucker, you know, a couple of times, and some people in the audience knew who I was, but just to uh, just to have um, to have them like <laughs> to to perform in front of that many people, and the second night, I had to leave uh, for another uh, festival at another soccer stadium not far, the Parc des Princes, where there were sixty thousand people. So on one night there were <laughs> over one hundred and fifty thousand, fifty-five thousand people. So after that, you know, um, I went back to the hotel, called some room service, and just some, some you know. <laughs> Some the quiet time by myself. <laughs> yeah, you need quiet time after spending with 150,000 your closest friends. But again, like the tour uh, with Celine, that that's what allowed me to, to get the gig in Las Vegas uh, in '99, and then uh, she started doing shows there uh, in 2002 at the at the Coliseum there uh, at the Caesar's Palace, and she was very generous because she uh, she did uh, a little video tailor made for my show where uh, we sing together uh, all the way. Frank Sinatra all the way, so she's on the video singing her part, and, and live I can I do Frank, so, and we have oh. this duet a la Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole, you know. Yeah. So that's uh, she's always been very very generous with me. That's great that she's been supportive. Indeed, Andre, I find it fascinating that you say your accent disappears when you sing. I also want to ask you, as you've gotten older, I presume your voice has changed. Have you had to adjust your technique? to account for your voice changing? I, uh, I have to say that, well, um, I, I used to be a smoker in Las Vegas. I guess a little cigarette before the show and uh, right after. But I stopped, you know, uh, 2004, because I didn't want, you know, the old 
olfactory mem uh, memory is very powerful, like uh, the mm -hmm. musical memory. But the olfactory memory, you know, the, the smell a little Crayola crayon, it takes you right back to kindergarten or first grade. Well, to me, sixth grade, but yes. we can go there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But uh, I didn't want the, the I, for my health, of course. But I didn't want the kids to remember if they would be like near a, a, a an ashtray, you know, like a full of, you know, cigarette butt, you know, like a just like the oh, it smells like dad, you know. Like I, I, yeah. I remember that smell from my youth, and I didn't want to be identified to that. So like, so, well, let's you know, let's get some patch, you know, patches. Let's try anything just to. And I, so I, I stopped smoking there and uh, I uh, also like, I have to say that uh, the fact that I'm, I'm not singing with my, my own voice. So it's not that I, the, the, the vocal cords are not being solicited like, um, or the, 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 the uh, let's say that the, the um, it's not the same muscles, all, you know, for two hours when you sing like, hey, if I do this, well, I'll do this for, for like a minute. And then I do this for a minute and a half, or and if I do sing or Phil Collins, then it's another, you know, just muscles that are. So I'm not the 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 um, the flow of air that just doesn't irritate the same place, you know, in my mm. in, in my throat around my vocal cords. So I um, I like to believe that I I, I still have. Um, pretty much the same voice that I am, you know, back in 89 or and, and with a little bit more experience uh, moving my, the muscles around. So um, I, I, that, it doesn't change at all, I would say. Well, that's fantastic. I'm and very I, lucky, yeah, because yeah. th there are voices like uh, the you can hear that some singers in French, like um, there's less bass in their voice, like uh, Julien Clerc, for example, if somebody, Je le sais, uh, there's this... Uh, <laughs> in the in their voice and now he's a bit now he sings a bit more and you can hear frank sinatra as well the the the, the sinatra the, the beginning of his career and around the main event uh, era of uh of frank sinatra and then at the end when he was doing his duets the voice is not uh the same so um yeah. well the, the, talking about a guy who was singing you know uh the girl from ipanema with uh with uh, yeah. Carlos Jobim, uh, you know, like with a cigarette while he was singing that at something beautiful. Yeah. Young and tall and, you know, <laughs> it was amazing. And his voice is just great. But you could hear a little difference, uh, you know, throughout his career that uh, his voice uh, has changed. So I decide when I do Frank, it's pretty much like Frank middle of his career that I try to do to impersonate. Good. I, I never thought of that. You have to choose which Frank you're going to do. Well, you've been blessed with the good vocal strength. That has not changed. But how about the variety in all? In your current show, uh, you do about 60 different voices. And in your vocal library, you have over 400 voices. How do you keep track? Well, it's, uh, again, it's, 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 it's just the memory. Uh, uh, and to me, uh, it's, uh, I associate uh, sounds as well in a... Uh, in the productions before I might come, bring back this number, I would uh, go into the audience and choose someone at random, uh, a gentleman, and uh, to, I would impersonate, I would make him sing a, a little bit of the way we were. And then I would impersonate the gentleman right away. So I, I would have to oh, associate wow. his voice to some voices that I already know. 
So for him, I was like, okay, there's a little this there, and then he went flat there, and then he was off tempo there, and then because at some point I was passing the microphone to his to his mouth to mine, you know, so that the people would judge if I'm accurate or not. So it's it, so when you find as a kid, or, and still today, when I, I I find new sounds, sometimes it oh it it, it it sounds like a bit like oh that's that's like if I push. Uh, more like let's more uh, air let's say and then it, it sounds well Axel Rose all of a sudden you know I can do this song and I can one sweet child of mine you know like a, and it's just like a, and a, you know just um, if you laugh a certain way like like that but if you put more air gonna it's just a way of trying to do like this soprano guy so it's just like having fun and remembering those sounds, those crazy things I used to do as a kid, you know, after hockey games, even though I was a very shy kid back then. But those crazy sounds, now I, I use them to produce new voices. And um, 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 there, are, uh, there are sounds like Gordon Lightfoot, like it's, it's, it's part of one voice, uh, that this French singer and this... Uh, 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 and uh, Eddie Mitchell in France, and then uh, there is a, a little bit of uh, uh, Jean Lapointe here, and another uh, a, a crooner from Quebec. So, like, uh, I blend it and whoop, and pick it up. <laughs> this sound will will will, will come out, and uh, that's how I try to 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 remember and create new voice, <laughs> new voices. Well, you were. You're... You're not content with your 400 voice library. You're always expanding. That's that's living on the high wire when you go into the audience and on the spot have to uh, mimic. Yeah, yeah, that's like incredible. the rag and bone guy. Also, like to me, like when I heard him, like back in 17 or 18 when it came out, or not too long, that long ago. But uh, to me, it was like I was up to the because at some at some point he modulates. So I, this like hurts terrible. But at the beginning of the song. And at some point, I, I, I was thinking, I think I'll go this way. And I'll, so the, to, to, I was really happy that I, I could reproduce this as a very powerful voice like that. Because it's, and I, you, you do that at some point. And uh, actually in the show, like I do a little sound check right after it. I drink some water and I do some silly sounds just to, 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 to calm, to, 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 uh, to just to uh, heal, to, to just to uh, rest my vocal cords for a couple of seconds mm -hmm. before I, I, I move on with the rest of the show. Well, when you look at a 40-year career, as you mentioned, you're going to have some older fans, you're going to have some newer fans. I think that really hits you. If you don't mind, you have a great story about being stopped by the cops for a traffic <laughs> violation in Trois de Vier. Do you mind telling us that story? But it's actually like we uh we got to stop for a, a, a broken tail light and uh the two cops uh, step out of their car and uh the uh an old one, well my age and <laughs> and my age and a younger one, uh, the other one is mid twenties, they came out both of the car and said and the old one looks at me and said, Whoa, it's André Philippe Gagnon and the young one said who is André Philippe Gagnon? And the old one says, "Well, André Philippe Gagnon, he does the best Jean Chrétien impression of Jean Chrétien." And the young one says, "Who is Jean Chrétien?" <laughs> so, and it's a it's a true story. They get because the old one said, "Well, can you take a picture? You know, we'll have like a little." He asked the young one to take a picture with his uh, cell phone, you know, and uh, 
And I, 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 in my show, I say, well, if Andre Philippe Gagnon and I, if we want to save on a ticket, we need to, to, to be pulled over by a boomer cop, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that was really That's special. Great. The guy like, uh, Andre Philippe Gagnon, who's Andre Philippe Gagnon? Well, Jean Chrétien, who's Jean Chrétien? <laughs> Another era. But Jean Chrétien, I remember after doing like a, um, uh, a, a G7 summit in Quebec, all the presidents of um, so many countries were there at the Chateau Frontenac. And uh, some journalists were interviewing me after the show because I, you know, I performed from some prestigious people. And, uh, and, they were, and I, I looked on the corner and Jean Chrétien came towards the journalist and he, he told them, like, it's thanks to me, this guy has a career, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he always had a good line, you know, a good one-liner. <laughs> I had to ask about your interaction with Jean Chrétien. I was going to ask if he's ever heard or you met him, but obviously he did. So he, he enjoyed it. Yes, yes, yes. I think so. So I, I had a chance also to impersonate uh, Brian Mulroney, and uh, well, too with uh, with his face and the chin. You know, <laughs> it was something really special. And because uh, uh, I was invited by uh, Mrs. Mulroney uh, uh, for uh, Prince Charles and Lady Di. And uh, I decided to do like instead because there was those Prince's Trust concert that he would do to mm -hmm. raise money, you know. And I decided to do a Princess's Trust concert where I, where I did my We Are the World 22 Sussex at the, at the house of the Prime Minister. And I had the chance to sit in front of Lady Di because there were some, a couple of tables here. There, Rich Little was there, Michael J. Fox, Celine Dion was just beside me. That was uh, like back in 91, I think. So it was. A couple of years before the the, the Titanic, and uh, she was very nervous. I remember she, there were so many forks and knives, you know, besides our plates, and she was like, "What? <laughs> yeah. what am I, which one I'm going to use?" I said, "No problem. I think we're going to eat some club sandwich, and we're going to just take our hands, you know, our, our fingers, so that no no worries." And so during the the dinner, like the the the, the princess in front of me kept asking Prime Minister Maroni, uh, you know, like. You think he could do an impression of you again? And I would hear, and I was prepared just to um, entertain her. And then, you think he would do the saxophone again? I would do an impression of a saxophone, you know. So like uh, he was, uh, <laughs> he was always, uh, you know, asking me then, could you do that for the Lady Di Andre? And uh, and I, I became like uh, the princess's fool during that uh, <laughs> that that dinner, and it was uh, very. She was very charming. And that night, I remember. We, fit, we we closed the place with uh, with um, Brian Mulroney and uh, he was singing Mac the Knife with Celine Dion and uh, wow. David Foster playing piano and me doing some Louis Armstrong here and there, you know, during that song. And uh, Rene Angelil, uh, Celine's husband and manager, said like, uh, it, it is very, uh, it, it is a special moment right now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I agree, my friend. <laughs> Now, now that's a singing tandem. Yeah. Your current show, Mr. Everybody, or Monsieur Tout Le Monde, is more of a personal show, and you include lots of stories and anecdotes. How and why did you decide to include more of André-Philippe Gagnon, the person? Well, I, I decided just to, uh, to, to be more involved in the writing, and so I decided to, to talk about my, uh, the playlist of my youth and uh, to just like uh, to uh, agree with the audience that, uh, you know, back in the... Because uh, I'm at an age where it takes uh, 
two birthday cakes uh, to put all of my candles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, so it goes back in the 60s, and uh, it would allow me just to illustrate that back then at the, this uh, TV show, what was very popular, the big trend was to, uh, to come up with a French version of uh, English hits. So this is, that's how uh, Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline became We Caroline from, by French-Canadian singer Pierre Lalonde. And, uh, but also that, those, that you know, sometimes it, it was the other way around. Uh, uh, Neil Diamond was inspired by this great French song um, uh, by, by Gilbert Becot, and uh, it, it became a September Morn. So, uh, it's, uh, so those kind of, uh, of stories that would allow me just to, to come up with new impressions, new, uh, new songs, and, and also just that to make sure that whatever the topics, then there would be like an impression that would come up. Uh, for example, at the beginning when I say that when I, when I think my playlist is in my head and when I think about something, the matching song pops up. When, when I think about people working in the healthcare department, and people in Ukraine braving war, uh, braving bombs. Uh, Heroes by David Bowie starts right away. And uh, when I think about uh, uh, the traffic in Montreal or in Toronto, then it's Fast Car <laughs> by Tracy Chapman. You know? <laughs> and uh, so the same thing uh, in uh, for when I described my, my trip in Afghanistan for, to entertain the troops uh back then and uh so that it's uh uh it was very special you know, because just talking about the landing you know uh, over there because uh, i i was super excited and uh, you know at some point they asked us to turn off the, the little uh our little lights and to to close the window blinds mm -hmm. and i asked my soldier beside me uh how come we do that you know why do we need to do that and he said well we do that because we don't want the Taliban, so the Taliban can't see us. I was like, well, wow. So yeah, so we close the little lights and uh, we close the window blind so the bad guys can't see us. But tomorrow night, I will be on an outdoor stage with a hundred thousand watts of light <laughs> on me and a sound system I can Yikes. be heard from miles around. Welcome to <laughs> Afghanistan. And then my playlist shoots me this classic, like, ah, 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 stay alive, stay alive. Ah. <laughs> and then uh, that's how they, I, uh, I won't do it like full, full blast, but uh, all the topics, all the songs, and I, I finished the show, did this segment with, of course, the, the um, What a Wonderful World, as, uh, you know, to remind us of Good Morning Vietnam, because that's how I finished the show over there in Afghanistan, I remember like big guys and, 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 and uh, women's in front of, and you know, because it, it was a, to celebrate uh, Canada Day over there uh, in Kandahar, and there, there, there were real choppers and real jets above, you know, while I was performing Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World, and those big guys and, and girls in, in tears, uh, you know, just because of the emotion. Uh, that was an experience, you know, unbelievable. I was there only for, for six days, but just imagining to be there on a, for for months, you know, and going back. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's that's uh, you know coming back without any um, a, a, any uh, you know uh, uh, side effects from that is uh, is, is is really special. So it's because I was there only for six days, and I 
I was yeah. shaken, you know, uh, really, uh, it was an, an unbelievable experience, I still remember. And so, like, I, I talk about those, uh, the fact also in the show that uh, we use our, because uh, we talk about photo albums, music albums, those things, both, both uh, those things are things of the past now, because every, now, now everything is on our phone. And uh, yeah, because we spend our lives glued to them, and uh, and and soon they know us so well those uh, those those cell phones that they could become the the virtual DJs of our relationships. And uh, you, you meet someone, and then uh, your your virtual DJ uh, will just uh, play play the song that, that fits, you know. So uh, when you when you uh, when 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 you meet someone that. Uh, when you match with someone, you know, then they, you start doing like uh, some some text, you know, they go, where are you? Well, I'm at home. Oh, uh, we're at home in the living room. Send me a picture. Uh, not this one. And you, you you become you go crazy and you start to sound like the police. So then I do this thing, you know, because it, it plays the, the police and then uh, I will say that at the beginning of a relationship, some guys will tend to uh, oversell themselves, and our virtual DJ has the perfect song for this by a good old Leonard Cohen. I'm your man, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's I really like that number, and we have also a, a, good, a nice number at the end where we pay tribute to the ladies with uh, many singers. You know, the, the ladies in our lives, our mothers, our wives, our girlfriends, our daughters. So uh, yeah. it's uh, it gives me the opportunity, the, 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 the chance, you know, to do some some Barry White, some uh, some uh, some Joe Cocker. You are so beautiful. So, and some songs now I'll do them a bit longer. Like this gentleman in Bordeaux was asking me to do like uh, I would have liked a little bit more Joe Cocker. Now I do a little, <laughs> yeah. I do it a little longer. Well, you're certainly a man of the people. You cater to your fans, and you've certainly demonstrated emotional connection between music and your fans and how you bring that together. I want to, just as we close, you've been so good with your time. I want to ask about, I mean, you've been in front of royalty, government leaders. You did meet Frank Sinatra. Yes, in Switzerland. Yeah, we we didn't chat for, for per se, but I, I opened the show with my We Are The World. And first row, there was this uh, John Denver, uh, Julie Andrews, Mary Poppin, you know, and then yeah. Frank Sinatra and Roger Moore. So you have James Bond, Frank Sinatra, Mary Poppin, John Denver in front of what you. What a front row. And after my rendition of We Are The World, like uh, James Bond, like Roger Moore and Frank Sinatra was like, like, take him out, take him out, get, get him out of here. This guy, get him out of here. And it's like, <laughs> you won't steal the show. And it was like a, an A-list crowd at the Instad at the, the Grand Palace in Stad in Switzerland. So uh, that's uh, that was my uh, my encounter with uh, with Mr. Sinatra. <laughs> that's great, Andre. Where is your tour taking you next? And what is Andre Philippe Gagnon planning after the tour? I, we have a meeting actually right this afternoon with uh, with uh, Rob and Graham, uh, who are taking care of uh, some some of the the, the cities in uh, out west in, in Alberta and uh, in BC. But I'm, uh, I'm I'm still working on the schedule in Ontario for to, to do uh, more more shows uh, around Toronto and eventually like to come back uh, maybe of one of the 
one of the theater owned by the Mervish family, by uh, David Mervish, had a chance to do the Royal Alexandra some years back. And uh, the last time was at the Cannon Theater. So I would love to go back and perform there. But uh, we never know. I did Massey Hall as well and uh, some other nice room in Toronto. But uh, I, I'm really happy with this new uh, proposition. I think it's, uh, you know, it, there's lots of impressions. And I, because back, uh, I used to do like some shows where there was some crazy medleys and uh, and you would, I would throw them with a crazy proposition, you know, but I think it's more like on a conversation tone with the audience. And uh, that, that allows me to do many more impressions. So I'm, I'm looking Great. forward to present this show in Toronto. And uh, we'll discuss this uh, this afternoon, actually. So like, uh, for now, I think I have a couple of dates just uh, early in November in uh, near Edmonton. Great. Well, you're going to be on the road again. Yes. Where can we best follow you and your projects and know where you're playing? Where should we go? On uh, com for sure. And uh, that also with uh, with Robin Graham, we'll, we'll just plan also to uh, to uh, to have a calendar where the people will be able to see uh, where I'll be performing uh, in the in the coming months. Excellent. Well, Andre Philippe, it was outstanding to catch up with you. Thank you for your time, and I'm wishing you continued success as your tour resumes. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks for having me. And to the listener, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. On behalf of Andre Philippe Gagnon, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on on the Dean Dean Blundell Network or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy democracy is something something you do. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.